When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. You know what, Craig? I'm going to yield the floor to Cam. Cam, you cut this audio. We'll go producer's choice or whatever cut. Now, again, this is Sark yesterday. He had a press conference before the Touchdown Club of Houston luncheon. That's a Mattress Mac deal. Every spring, they'll bring in the Texas head coach. He'll speak for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, just running. You know, he'll run down his post-spring thoughts and then take some questions from the crowd. Uh, but this was the press conference beforehand. So, again, Cam, you cut this audio. Producer's choice. What are we going to hear first? Yeah, so we're, we're in post-spring ball time, which is usually the time where there's nothing to talk about except for storylines, right? You build your narrative, and you start drinking a little bit of Kool-Aid, right? And I think we can all can say as a, as the fan base and as, you know, working in the team and reporting that there's going to be a lot of Kool-Aid, I think, this season after a pretty successful spring, I think, for Texas football, right? Yeah. Didn't lose yeah. a lot of transfers. So Coach Stark was Knock asked. On wood. Yeah. Coach Stark was asked about how will he handle the preseason hype this season heading into his third season at Texas? Well, I think, I think one, I think you're spot on. I think that, you know, managing slash handling expectations um, and then ultimately managing and handling success, right, is a – is kind of the next step in the formula that, that we've been on here and going into year three. Um, it's one thing for people outside the program to think you're going to be pretty good. It's another when you feel it internally. And I, I think coaching staff-wise, player-wise, I think we feel very confident about the team that we have. I think we've, we've put in a lot of work. I think we've built a roster. I think we've got staff continuity. I think we've got a lot of the things in place uh, to go have a good season. Ultimately, now we have to go do it. And the thing about football that's always unique is it's not always who's the best team. It's who's the best team that day. And I think that's the goal for us as we go, as we start moving towards the season and we've got 12, 12 regular season games, we're trying to be the best team 12 Saturdays throughout the fall uh, to ultimately see what the season can be. But, um, hey, you know, expectations are what they are. Reality is what it is, too. And, and we've got to make these expectations become a reality. And so we've got to be intentional in our approach uh, as we get prepared for the season. It's interesting mm-hmm. when we talk about expectations with Texas because, you know, Texas is going to be ranked somewhere in the preseason AP Top 25, and people are like, oh, everybody's – buying into Texas and you're buying into the hype. But if you look at it, Craig, I mean, when you look at like preseason AP polls, it's not like Texas has been ranked in the top five in the preseason every year and then just tanks. Uh, you know, they're, I, I would expect them to be ranked kind of in that 9 to 12 range in the preseason, mm-hmm. somewhere like that. I mean, when you look at what, even though, yeah, they're going to lose Bijan or Roshan and there's pieces to replace, you know, with the growth potential on offense and as much as you bring back on defense, and if you consider Texas the preseason favorite in the Big 12, uh, which I, it, that's interesting to see what – I want to see what my media colleagues are going to think about the Big 12 because TCU, uh, obviously they weren't the league champion, but they went through the regular season in the league undefeated. They're losing a lot. Uh, K-State's got to adjust to life without Deuce Robinson, and they lose Felix Anaduke Ozoma. So they've 
maybe got to reload in some spots. Uh, so I think maybe may, TCU, I think, definitely takes a step back. Maybe K-State takes a step back. I think everybody's thinking Texas and Oklahoma will take steps forward. So I don't really know what that Big 12 pecking order looks like, but if you, if the the folks who vote in such polls or put such polls together believe Texas is the preseason favorite in the Big 12, then, yeah, they'd be in that 9-12 to 12 range, yeah. I think, in a preseason yeah. poll. Yeah, it's, it's – and I know it's a popular theme. Folks will say, there it is, Texas being overrated at the start of the year, and they fall back. But I, I get what you're saying, and I agree about the, the, the fact – they're not rated as highly as a lot of people think they are going into the deal. I think the problem, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past, I think the problem is, and I've said maybe sometimes it's with the fan base that doesn't know how to handle it, but I think it's the national media too. Like go back to 2016. I think whenever Texas shows legitimate signs of life, I don't think the national media or people that vote on such polls, I don't think they know how to handle it. Right. So Texas comes out that season opener and beats Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that at the end of the day we found out wasn't very good, and neither was Texas that year. And they go from, I think, maybe receiving votes in the AP poll to they're a top-10 team eight days later. Right. So that's something that I struggle with. It's like, okay, everybody whines and complains that Texas is overrated, yet the people that are in charge of rating or underrating or overrating teams continually, once Texas shows the slightest bit of upward trend, it's like – Everybody's on the bandwagon. So, I don't know. It's just, to me, the whole deal is just off kilter. But but I think if you're a Texas fan, I think you'd rather have legitimate expectations of, hey, maybe you can go win a conference championship this year rather than, all right, hoping and praying and crossing fingers. that hey, Can we be in that discussion in November? I think you'd much rather have legitimate big-time expectations. That's the way it right. should be around here. Yeah, no, I compete for a championship every year. Uh, Cam, what do we got next? So, of course, tonight is the – NFL draft, and Sark's expecting, what, five Longhorns to be drafted this week and one in the first round who will be the first offensive player drafted from the University of Texas since 2006. That's B. John Robinson. Sark was asked about how he handles the draft process and what NFL teams are kind of looking for when it comes to B. John, Rojan, uh, Morrow, Demo, and everyone else. Well, I think I think one thing from an NFL perspective, from an NFL perspective they have all of the resources and they can watch all of the tape they do all of the interviews right at the combine or when they come to your school they they have all the the metrics on 40 times and broad jump and all those things that they, they have they have all of that i think what they're digging into from us is who is he on a daily basis right what, what is he like when adversity strikes because those are some of the things that they're not as tangible for them in an interview process or a workout process and i think that's one of the things for me that I light up about because Bijan, in my opinion, has never had a bad day. I mean, that guy shows up every morning um, with with the intent to be the best teammate he can be, um, to to look at everything with the glass half full and, and, and how's he going to get better, uh, even at some of the most adverse times. And whether it's going through injury, whether it's through a tough fumble at the end of the Tech game, you know, things that have come up in his career that – haven't always been, but a lot of guys could have viewed that and, and been down about it. And he's always been positive. And like I tell every organization, he's going to make your locker room better. He's going to make your organization better. He's going to make your community better. Not to mention all the football stuff that goes along with it. So uh, somebody's going to get a special player. Uh, we don't know when. We don't know who. Uh, that's one of the beauties of the draft, and that's why we all tune in to, uh, to watch it. 
you know, it, it's not a lot different than what Sark and other college coaches will do in recruiting, right? And, and you don't see this as much because college coaches are more restricted now. It should be the other way, but they're more restricted now yeah. the time they can spend on the road. But you know, when you get on the road, you know, yeah, the, the high school coach and maybe the position coach and you know, people in the in the athletic program, they, they'll talk up a kid if you're recruiting them. But if I'm a coach, I want to go meet with the student trainers and I want to go meet with uh, you know, the janitorial staff that cleans the locker room and the cafeteria workers or the SRO, people that this kid would not have a reason to be nice to. I, I want to find out from them what kind of kid he is. And if they're like, oh, yeah, salt of the earth kid, great kid, you know, never a problem, good dude. Then at that point, that's kind of what Sark's talking about with that background research. And the NFL teams are going to go to them, and they want to be, yeah, how is this kid with his tutors? How is he, uh, you know, walking around on campus? Is he a kid that likes to party a lot? Whatever. Those those are questions that are going to be asked. I've, I've always, um, you know, I'm always fascinated to ask guys about the combine process and the interview process. Like in the one that I go back to when Jordan Hicks got drafted. Right. You go back to his deal when he got sent home from the Alamo Bowl. And I talked to him at his, at his combine, his pro day, and he said, yeah, he's like, there were a lot of questions teams had for me. And he's like, honestly, there were some pretty tough and difficult questions that I had to answer. But Jordan Hicks still in the league and answered those questions the right way, and I think he's proven himself that he's moved past that one incident. Cam, we got time for maybe one more. Uh, go ahead and pick another. I like giving Cam the, the keys It's here. almost kind of like it, we're spinning the wheel on this deal. It's like... And we're landing on? Well, you want me guys to give you two options, or you want me to just go ahead and pick one? You pick, pick one. one. It's producer's choice. It it's, it's your show, Cam, uh, I'm right so he was asked yesterday about um, where he thought the quarterbacks were after spring ball and what were the summer goals for both Malik Murphy, or actually for Malik Murphy, Quinn Yours, and Arch Manning, all three. Yeah, I think, I think they were all at varying stages, which, we, which you know, a lot of you guys know who are around us that cover us. Uh, they're all in varying stages, and they all had different things that they were focusing on. Obviously, Quinn had a lot of more experience than the other two guys having played. And how far could he take this from a comfort level standpoint? Could he really dig into the nuances of the scheme? Could he really uh, step up and become the leader that we're looking for at that position? And I think Quinn did that. He had a great winter conditioning. I think he, he really kind of put himself in position for a good spring. I thought he played really well in the spring. Um, not, not 15 perfect days, you know, but I think there was a lot of room for improvement there, and then he did improve in those things, and I thought those things showed up. We got a snapshot of a couple of those things in the spring game. I thought the deep ball between he and Xavier was a great sign for everybody, and so I think that was really good. For Malik, it was just getting him playing. You know, this guy had been fighting injuries throughout his first year here. Um, and so to him to find some consistency, uh, kind of those last three weeks of spring ball and ultimately go out and play, I think was good for him. And then Arch just getting two feet on the ground in Austin, Texas, right? Getting acclimated to being in college. Here's college offense. Here's the speed of the game. How do you get acclimated to it? I thought all the guys did a really good job. Now in summer, now who can now build on the things from what they did in spring ball? Here's a poignant things to, to attack to get better at. But ultimately, summer to me is about building your team and about building your culture. And the quarterbacks play a huge part in that uh, because they're the guys that kind of connect the offense and the defense. They're the guys that go out for the player-led throwing sessions. They're the guys that go do that thing. And so you have to have that sense of, of leadership, but you also have to have a sense of camaraderie in the room. And I think something when you hear Quinn talk or you hear Malik talk, they talk about how 
strong the quarterback room is. I think those guys are all pulling for one another. That lends itself to I don't have one throwing session at 2 o'clock, another one at 8 a.m., another one on Saturday. I think our guys are going to be collectively together. That's going to bring our team together, and we're going to be a more of a tight-knit football team. I, I like the makeup of that room, guys. I mean, you know, Malik Murphy, now that he's healthy, I think people are getting to see the kind of competitor he is. We know the strides Quinn has made, and I think Arch's pedigree and how he's prepared for just the day-to-day work, I think, speaks for itself. And again, in the transfer portal era, this is about as good of a situation in the quarterback room as you can hope to have. You've got a veteran, you've got a young guy who's been in the program for a year that's probably going to be your backup, and then you've got a guy enrolling this spring that, you know, as I say, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. He can just redshirt, kind of hang back and, and get a view of it, and then maybe next spring he's he's ready to go compete for something. Okay, so when you say you like the makeup of that room, you're talking about the room at the press conference where somebody's phone was going off? Yeah, Cam was we asking if that was your phone. You weren't in. I Houston, wasn't even there. Yeah, and so can't 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 be having that happen. Could can't, have been your colleague Chip Brown. Would it have been no? His Chip phone knows going? better. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I showed Chip because his phone when we first started working together, his phone went off. I'm like, dude, you know, you just put your air, phone in airplane mode and it'll it'll record. He's like, oh really? I'm like, yeah. Well, why haven't y'all figured that out yet? <laughs> I think someone. I think someone. I think it was Sark actually knocked someone's phone or or tape recorder off the off the deal. Yeah, and it went off there. You know who told who, who told me about. Airplane mode, Shaka. <laughs> We're in Stillwater, and I'm getting ready to record. It wasn't a pregame interview. It was just an interview night before a game. We were doing practice, mm-hmm. and thing was going off. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, you know, you can put that thing in airplane mode. It won't happen. I was like, what? Yeah, just put it in there. And then, boom. Yeah. You know, I learned you needed to do something because, uh, again, he's probably not listening right now. We don't know that he's not. Mac Brown, if your phone went off during a press conference, Mac had a habit of every now and then of answering your phone. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, sure did. So uh, yeah, don't want don't need to get embarrassed on T, especially with LHN. The stuff is broadcast now. I don't, right. I don't need to be getting embarrassed. Yeah, but uh, we'll Cam. That was a great job cutting that yeah. audio. Uh, sounded good, and we'll hear more from Sart. We will. throughout the show today.